I would like to say to you, good morning. Um, I'm Jamie, one of the pastors here. And uh, since 1984, the third Sunday of January has been set aside as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so we're taking one more week of in Luke as we consider sanctity of life, as we consider the preciousness of human life, specifically pre-born human life. So to that end, I would invite you to point your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, that's probably towards the middle of your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, please grab one from the pew in front of you. In the Black Bibles, you'll find our passage on page 627, Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 1 down to verse 10 and ask for the Lord's help as we consider these verses together. We'll spend the vast majority of our time together in verse 5. So I'll read the passage and then pray and then we'll get to work Together, Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, hear now the word of the Lord. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. In the thirteenth year of his reign, came also in the days of Joachim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, till the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow to build, and to plant. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we need your Holy Spirit now to understand your word. Please send him to us, that we would understand what it is that we're reading, and that he would take these eternal words of God and apply them to our heart as we consider these matters so heavy and so real. As we keep the issue of the sanctity of life top of mind, Hear us as we pray and teach us through your word. 
so that Jesus would be exalted in all that we do. We ask it in his name. God's people said amen. Today, January 22nd, 2023, marks 50 years since the landmark decision of the Supreme Court, a decision known as Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in all 50 of these United States. Since Roe v. Wade, 64 million babies have been killed in the womb. 64 million. Now, as you know, last June, the Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade. And we thank God for that. And that decision meant that the legality of abortion would be left up to each individual state. Back in 2019, our governor, Mike DeWine, signed a law into effect which banned abortion after a heartbeat could be detected in the womb, which usually happens around six weeks after fertilization, many times even before a woman knows she's pregnant. That law went into effect when Roe v. Wade was overturned. And then in September of last year, a common pleas judge in Cincinnati filed an injunction against that law, and it has been tied up in the courts ever since. And that means that as of right now, even with Roe v. Wade overturned, Abortion is legal in all counties in Ohio up to 21 weeks and 6 days. 21 weeks and 6 days since fertilization. At 20 weeks and 6 days, a baby has been alive for 5 months. She's ten and a half inches long. She's been moving her hands and feet quite a lot. She can hear her mother's heartbeat. She can recognize her voice. She takes naps. Her taste buds are developed. She reacts to what her mother eats. She can feel pain. She sucks her thumb. And very soon, she'll start dreaming. 21 weeks, six days. So yes, we give thanks to God that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But let's not think the work is done. There's a long way to go, even in our own state. As followers of Jesus Christ, as servants of the God of life, we are a people of life. And so we must not stop praying, preaching, And working until abortion is not just illegal, but unthinkable in our day. This is why we set aside the third day of January to consider these matters. So today, one more time, we consider the preciousness of human life, specifically the preciousness of pre-born human life. And here's the point this morning. 
drawn from Jeremiah 1, which I will lay before you, is this, that God creates and knows and consecrates and determines the lives of those he creates. And therefore, only God has the right to determine when life ends. That God creates and God knows and God consecrates and God determines the lives of those he creates. And therefore, God retains the right to determine when life ends. Five points this morning. I'll explain them as we go along. And then at the end, we'll leave some time for practical ways that we all can serve the cause of life. Number one. Number one thing we learn from this passage is that God creates life. You see this in verses four and five. Now the word of the Lord came to me, this is Jeremiah speaking, and this is what God said to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Let your eyes fall on those precious words that the Lord spoke to Jeremiah in verse 5. I formed you in the womb. God creates life. That word formed there in verse 5 is the same word that is used at the beginning of the Bible with the first man, the first man at creation. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The psalmist David said this, Pastor Mike read it earlier in Psalm 139, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my womb. God creates life. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that by him all things were created. Heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. All things were created through him and for him. It means that God created all things and that all things God created, he created for himself. Every life, not just Jeremiah's life, your life, my life was created by Jesus for Jesus. Life is his. God said in Ezekiel 18, every soul is mine. At the moment of fertilization, genetic information from the mother and from the father combined to create a new and unique genetic profile. A new person. And her DNA, 99% of which she shares with every other human on the planet, is 0.1% unique to her. Just like 0.1% of your DNA is unique to you. And she is as much an individual person worthy of dignity and value as anyone else. As any of the superstars which will take the football field this afternoon. Some of you know a few weeks ago there was a professional football player who collapsed in the middle of a game, had a heart attack. He was taken to the hospital. And the whole NFL football world was affected by this. It was amazing to watch as even, even on sports TV, people were praying to God for this man. 
It was amazing to watch. But you know, a pre-born baby one week past fertilization or 40 weeks past fertilization is as much a person as that football player. From the moment of conception. The Bible teaches that the Lord Jesus has been knitting her together in the womb, shaping her face, painting the color of her eyeballs, sketching out her unique and individual fingerprints. She's his. And so abortion takes the life of someone who belongs to God. God tells Jeremiah that I formed you. My hands made you. You are mine. So God creates life. That's point one. Next, God says something incredible. He tells Jeremiah that before I made you, I knew you. This is point two. God knows those he creates before he creates them. God knows those he creates before he creates them. That word know in verse five means more than just know about. So God is saying more than just, Jeremiah, I knew about you. It's the same word that's used as a euphemism for sexual intimacy in a marriage. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. Same word. It's a word that speaks of God's intimate knowledge of those he creates. God has comprehensive knowledge of Jeremiah before Jeremiah was Jeremiah. He knew what Jeremiah looked like. He knew what he sounded like. He knew Jeremiah's insecurities and his fears and his joys and his favorite foods. He knew whether Jeremiah would be clumsy or athletic. Whether he'd be a morning person or a night owl. And he knew all of this before he created him. The Bible teaches that God knows everything about his creation. Psalm 139 again. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. When you know someone well, like a spouse or something like that, you kind of know how they think. You have a pretty good idea of how they'll react to certain situations. You know if they're the kind of person that shuts down or lashes out in conflict. And this psalm says that God knows us so well that he knows not just what we're thinking in the moment. He knows the words that are about to come out of our mouth before we even speak them. But what did the Lord Jesus tell us? Even the hairs on your head are all numbered. This is how much God knows you and me. I mean, no one knows you like your mama knows you. But not even mama knows you like God knows you. And the stark reality, friends, 
is that abortion kills the life of someone God knows. When you hear something bad happens to someone you know, it affects you. And the more you know them, the more it affects you. Last week, Pastor Matt and I were having a discussion about being fathers and how when things happen to your kids, it affects you. Abortion kills someone that God knows intimately, infinitely better than Pastor Matt and I know our kids. So you think God cares about abortion? Of course he does. And that takes this issue far beyond the realm of politics. You might be thinking, oh, here we go. Baptist church preaching politics. I knew it. But friend, this issue is political. But it extends far beyond the House and the Senate. All the way up into heaven itself. To the very heart of God. Because remember, what we are talking about here is the unsanctioned taking of a human life in the womb. We are talking about killing a person that God creates and God knows. So yes, God cares. And so do we. We care about the life of the baby. We care about the life of the mother. We care about the life of the father and the grandparents and the aunts and the uncles and society at large, all of whom are affected by abortion. When any life is taken unjustly, there are devastating ripple effects throughout society. It starts with the baby and works out to the mother and then goes out from there. In a room this size, there are guaranteed to be people who have been involved with, directly or indirectly, with abortion. And you need to know, God loves you. And there is forgiveness at the feet of Jesus Christ. And there is hope. And there is healing. And there is grace no matter what your involvement has been. There are seven pastors at Pickle Baptist Church, all of whom will meet with you. God has been kind to gift this church a handful of godly women that you can sit down with and talk to. And you have my word. You will not feel condemned. You will not be condemned. We will point you to the cross of Jesus Christ where you will find forgiveness, healing, help, hope. God creates life. And God knows those He creates before He creates them. And then the Lord takes it even further. He tells Jeremiah, not only did I create you and know you, I set you apart. And that's the third point. God consecrates those he creates. God consecrates those he creates. Before you were born, Jeremiah, I consecrated you. And we don't use that word consecration a lot in conversation. It means set apart. 
But actually, you come across that word. We came across that word in the fall when we were working our way through the Ten Commandments, Fourth Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it consecrated. It's the same word. Sometimes it's translated as holy. It means set apart for a special purpose. God is telling Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart for my special purpose. And this kind of a consecration is not unique to Jeremiah, nor is it unique to prophets. It is all of us. Psalm 139 again. David says to God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, yet as, when as yet there was none of them. David is saying that God formed him and God formed every day of his life before they existed. Every day of David's life was written in God's eternal and unchangeable book. Before the sun rose on any single day of David's life, God formed it, God planned it, God brought it about according to his glorious purpose. So God creates and has comprehensive knowledge of those he creates. And God plans the days and brings about his purpose for those he creates. The Apostle Paul said the exact same thing when he wrote to the Galatian church. This is Galatians 1, 15 and 16. He says, he who set me apart before I was born. He consecrated me before I was born. He called me by His grace, and He was pleased to reveal His Son to me in order that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. God set Paul apart before Paul was born. God called Paul by His grace. God was pleased to reveal Christ to Paul, and also that Paul would preach Christ to the Gentiles. He was consecrated before he was born. Every day was written in God's book before there was any one of them. And this applies to every single one of us in this room. Acts 17, verse 26. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. All of that was done in God before you were born. Later, through the prophet Jeremiah, God says, by my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and man and beast on the face of it, and I give it to whom I please. So God consecrates those he creates. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm glad you came out in the snow to church. And I hope that you've been listening to what you've encountered this morning. That your creator not only created you, but he knew you before he created you. And today, in this very service, he was pleased to reveal his son to you. You've seen Jesus this morning. You saw him in the songs that Corey sang. You saw him in the Lord's Supper that we shared together. Now you're seeing him in his holy word. He sent you these things today to reveal to you that you are a sinner. 
that you have broken his commandments and you are now under his just judgment for your sin. And he has revealed Christ to you to show you that when you turn to Jesus Christ in faith, you will receive mercy. Your sins will be pardoned and you will be granted eternal life. If you're feeling a draw this morning, something deep inside of you, I want you to know that that is God the Holy Spirit working on your heart. Don't resist Him. Friend, after the service is over today, find someone who took the Lord's Supper earlier. Find a Christian. and Tell them that you would like to have your sins forgiven. They'll pray for you. They'll begin meeting with you and reading the Bible together so that you can find out the purpose for which God created you. Do that today. The Lord tells Jeremiah that he was formed in the womb and that he was known before he was formed and that he was set apart by God before he was born. And then the last thing that God tells him in verse 5 is that God has appointed him as a prophet to the nations. And that's our fourth point this morning. God appoints those he creates. God appoints those he creates. And you see that at the very end of verse 5, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, very quick background as to what's going on in Jeremiah. A prophet is someone who speaks God's word to others. Jeremiah was God's mouthpiece to his people and to the surrounding nations. I don't know what you know about the book of Jeremiah or the ministry of Jeremiah, but I can just tell you, my wife Sarah and I have been working through the book of Jeremiah together for a while, and Jeremiah's life was a hard life. He's sometimes called the weeping prophet because he had a pretty hard ministry. Let's just say that he wasn't well received in his day. He was persecuted, he was lonely. He gets thrown in prison. One time they threw him in a cistern, try and kill him. At the opening of this book, we read that Jeremiah was a prophet in Judah in the days leading up to the captivity in Jerusalem. So these were not good old days. These, these, these are bad days. This is a long time before Jesus was born. And remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. God's people got into a fight about who would be in charge. And some of them in the north decided they would be their own kingdom. And we call them Israel. Some of them in the south decided they'd be their own kingdom. We call them Judah. Israel in the north rejected God, and God warned them through a lot of prophets. Isaiah was one of those prophets, and they didn't listen, and God destroyed them, sent the Assyrians against them, conquered them. And then sometime later, God's dealing with Judah, same kind of thing. They're rejecting God, and God's sending them prophets. Jeremiah was one of those prophets. And Jeremiah is sent to warn them if they didn't stop doing what they were doing, that they would be destroyed just like Israel was by the Babylonians. Now look at verse 9. The Lord tells Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. Later he'll tell Jeremiah, I'll watch over my word to make sure that it comes past. But then he says in verse 10, See that I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. 
along with creating Jeremiah and knowing Jeremiah and consecrating Jeremiah, God appoints Jeremiah to his purpose, and God will oversee his word through Jeremiah. So some of Jeremiah's ministry will be to build people up, to establish them. But some of Jeremiah's ministry is going to be to pluck up and destroy, to tear down. God will oversee His Word to make sure that it accomplishes that which God set it out to accomplish. Notice it wasn't Jeremiah's Word. It was God's Word through Jeremiah. Jeremiah's job is simply to speak God's Word and to trust the Lord with the results. What does this have to do with Sanctity of Life Sunday? Well, it shows us that God creates And knows those he creates before he creates them. He consecrates those he creates. And here we see that God appoints not only the person, but the purpose of the person to the thing that they're to do. The very outcome of their lives is appointed by God. That God is intimately involved in every part of every part of his creation. From fertilization to the funeral and beyond. This 2023 is our day. This is the day to which the Lord has appointed us. Brother, sister, you don't get another life. The Lord may give you 80, 90 years here. That's it, it's all you get. To this, the Lord has appointed you. And abortion is the greatest issue in our day. It is the greatest social injustice in our country. And we ought to give ourselves to this. We ought to give ourselves to doing what the Lord would enable us to do to make abortion not just illegal, but unthinkable. To this we've been appointed. And that brings us to our final point. Because God creates, because God knows those He creates before He creates Him, before God consecrates, before God, and because of God's appointment of every person, only God has the right to determine when the life He created ends. As creator, sustainer, consecrator, determiner of all life, only God has the right to determine when life ends. Abortion is the unsanctioned killing of human life in the womb. Humans are created by God in the image of God and therefore taking pre-born human life for any reason is wrong. So what do we do? Even though Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion is legal in most states in the United States, including our own. The solution to the problem of abortion is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in abortion we say, your life for mine, but in the gospel, God says, my life for yours. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ solves the abortion problem. Evangelism is a fight for the life of the unborn. Now our church believes the Bible is true. I doubt very much that I, many of you need convincing that abortion is wrong. It, this has been the Christian position since there was a Christian church. One of the very first documents that we have, it's just about as old as the Bible itself, says, and I quote, you shall not abort a child or commit infanticide. It's like uh, 80, 90 A.D., this is what, what Christians have always believed. And so why do we set aside one Sunday every year? Why do we do this? Why, do we, why have a whole sermon on the subject if we all agree? It's because, as I mentioned earlier, abortion is a serious sin with devastating effects. Devastating effects on individuals, on families, on society at large. And so we must continue to talk about the 64 million preborn babies which have been killed in the womb because it is the greatest social injustice in our day. Because it is the legally sanctioned killing of human life in the womb. And so we must keep it top of mind. And I'll close with four things that we can all do right now. To raise a flag in the name of life to support efforts that make abortion unthinkable in our day. Four things. You can see them on the screen. Pray, preach, provide, petition. So number one, pray. It's number one because it's the most important thing you can do. It's the most effective thing you can do. Pray that God would have mercy on America to make abortion unthinkable. In this basket up front here, there's a whole bunch of little silicone babies. They're the size and shape of a, of a 12-week-old baby in the womb. And at, at the end of this sermon, I'm going to have Corey come back up and lead one of the songs you did earlier. And while he's singing, I will invite all of you to come forward and take one of these babies home with you today. And let it be a reminder to you of what's at stake. A reminder to pray that God would be pleased to end abortion in America in our day and then from America to the rest of the world. And to add this to your prayer list, that's number one thing you can do. It's the most effective thing you can do. Pray that God would end abortion. Number two, preach. As I said earlier, the solution to the, abor to the abortion issue is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you share the gospel, you are fighting for the sanctity of life against abortion. 
Because in the gospel we see the preciousness of human life, the purpose in God in creating human life, and the glory of Christ in saving human life. So preach Christ. Share the gospel with your friends, with your family, with your neighbors. Share the love of Jesus. Tell about the mercy of God towards sinners. Keep the hope of the gospel top of mind and out front. So pray, preach, and third, provide. As a church, we support an organization called the Elizabeth's New Life Center. It's an organization with pregnancy centers across the Miami Valley. They provide free resources, training for mothers considering abortion. They offer pregnancy counseling, premarital counseling, abortion recovery counseling. They give prenatal care to low-income families. One of the most powerful parts of their ministry is they have a trailer with a 4D ultrasound in it, and they drive that trailer to college campuses in the Miami Valley so that a woman who's considering abortion can see 4D picture of the baby growing in her womb. And honestly, just by God's kind providence to us all, technology is doing as much as anything else in showing the preciousness of human life because now we have the ability to see into the womb and see this is a baby. This isn't a clump of cells. This is a child. And we thank God for that. So pray and preach and provide. You can give financially to Elizabeth's New Life Center. If you, if you want to give to them directly, do that. You can give through the church. We'll make sure that money gets to them. You can support the Elizabeth's New Life Center by volunteering at one of their women's centers. You can speak with women from considering abortions. You can help out around their centers. You can mentor expecting mothers. They're always looking for volunteers. And if you want to help, just please let me know. I'll get you in contact with Ashley, who's our representative there. Number four. Petition. As I mentioned at the beginning, in Ohio, abortion is still legal, is still considered health care. In all 88 counties of our state. So petition politicians to keep the pressure on the courts to pass the heartbeat bill. And even when the heartbeat bill is passed... Petition politicians to pass something called House Bill 598. It's called the Human Life Protection Act, which would make abortion illegal past the point of fertilization. Make it completely illegal. That bill is very early on in the whole process. Pray that God would see to it to the end. And that Ohio would be one of the states in our United States, that has made abortion illegal. If you live in Piqua, you can contact your representative, Jenna Powell. You can contact your senator, Steve Huffman, both of which, thank God, are starkly pro-life. Nag them to keep the pressure on. 
So brothers and sisters, before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. He consecrated you. He appointed you to this time and this day. He called you by his grace. He revealed his son to you and he saved you. This is your time and I think this is the biggest issue in your time. And so pray, preach, abide, petition until the Lord makes abortion illegal and unthinkable in our day. Corey, can you come and lead us in one other song if you could do whatever song the Lord lays on your heart? As Corey is starting this song, please stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. And then after I'm done praying, I would welcome all of you, whoever like, to come forward and take one of these babies with you and use it as a way to pray that the Lord would end abortion in our day. Father in heaven, would you hear us now as we pray? You are holy and righteous and just. You are eternal and infinite and glorious and good. And we ask now that you would forgive us for thinking too little of you and for thinking too little of the great sins that we've committed against you. Lord, would you give us your heart to know the preciousness of human life? Would you move upon us to pray regularly for our city, for our state, for our country? And give us faith to pray regularly that you would end abortion in our day. What would you have us do, Lord? Move our hearts to work and to pray. Give us opportunities to preach your gospel to those considering abortion. And those pressuring others to do it. How might we provide support to those agencies that are fighting for this cause? And how might we petition our duly elected representatives to make abortion illegal? Lord, we pray that you would do this for Jesus' sake and for Jesus' praise, because he deserves the praise of all those he's created in your image. Father, end abortion in our day. Amen. Your assurance of pardon this morning comes from Acts chapter 10. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Corey, please lead us.